Let's get ready to raffle! Welcome to Behind the Curtain, the Raffle Comedy Club podcast. This week, we get a chance to talk to the legendary Scott Capuro. We are backstage at Raffle Comedy Club, Behind the Curtain, and tonight we have the privilege and honor of being with the wonderful Scott Capura. Hi, Scott. Hi, hi, how are you? Hi. I'm good. It's I like your microphone. You. It's cute. Thank you. Yeah. My, my little round ball of loveliness. Yeah. Yeah. Your microphone as well. <laughs> hey. So, uh, it's been a while since I saw you. I think we were talking, it's like 2005 or six since I saw you. Amazing how the act hasn't changed, though. It's incredible, right? The Neither of stick. us. Yeah. <laughs> Same old shit rehashed. Yes, it's been a while, yeah. Uh, I think 2005. Yeah. 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 Six, I think six. So you hop back and forth between the US and here. I do, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's not that many comics in this country that do it. I do a bit of it, but I only mostly do the West Coast. I don't really do East. Uh, how do you find the difference? You know, when people are listening, it must be different. I know that, but you know, from a US club to a UK club, how do you feel the difference is? Um, I feel a bit um, like... I feel this, and maybe it's because I'm from there, that I that there's a bit more freedom for me to make fun of race in the U.S., but then the U.S. is all about race. Right. And I think in clubs like in New York, more urban areas, they probably anticipate that they're going to hear something like that. Mm. And, um, and I think that other comics will have used whatever their ethnicity is as sort of a platform for themselves. Right. So when I make fun of race, I think people are a bit... They're okay. It depends, though, because sometimes in pockets of the Bay Area, San Francisco, where I perform a lot, you can get in a bit of trouble because they're very white middle class mm. and very concerned with no ethnic friends of their own. Yeah. And they're very worried about minorities and, and their status in society, and mm. they don't want you making fun of things that they hold dear. And I find now a bit, too, that people... I mentioned it tonight. Said, that people in a comedy club sometimes want a mirror held up to themselves to show themselves how great they are. Right. And that's not, to me, what comedy is. So I see it not as, as a detriment, but I hope to use it as an effective challenge to myself to find a way to make what I say mm. um, appealing in a comedic way to a room full of strangers. Right. Which is one of the reasons why I love playing a room like this, because I've, I've only played Stoke maybe twice in my entire wow. comedy career in the UK. And um, it can be a town that I have very little familiarity with, mm. and I feel anonymous in, which is right. great. Yeah. Because I feel like it can come, I, it, it challenges me to get to know a room full of people like tonight, mm. where, where they may have very little familiarity with the style of comedy I do or, or how I present well, myself. Well, your style is very different, I would say, to 99.9% of the comics, certainly in the UK that I've seen in the last five years. How's that? Well, I feel like two things. One is just your general style of comedy. It's it's very rapid fire. And you ride over the laugh with the and now and and it's it's that sort of a style yeah. which is great. And it's quite a, an American thing that I find. I don't find that people do that talk over the punchline and where the laugh is coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, secondly, you will jump from something that's kind of like very sexual to something that's actually political or edgy in that way. But it's all edgy and yet so I would say soft. Not, not a disparaging way, but it's a, it's a soft delivery. Mm. You know, you're, you're punching, but it's so soft with it mm. that sometimes you can see the audience go, oh, holy shit, I can't... Because it takes a minute to register what you've actually said because it's mm. so throwaway, mm. but it's brilliantly written. Oh, that's sweet of you. Thank you. I try to um, use... Because I'm a bit luxury. 
when given the chance. So I try, I'm a bit plat, like you know, state like platformy. So I don't. I want it to be remain a conversation. So I try to bring it back to as much personal experience as possible. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of writing a show for Edinburgh now that may never be performed, but I'm trying to write a show for The Fringe where I talk more about uh, my father. I'm spending a lot of time with my dad right now, and he told me a story about a relative of ours mm-hmm. who's kind of an, uh, an iconic member within our family. Right. Because he was a Broadway star in the 1950s in musicals. Oh, wow. And his name was on cast albums when I was a kid, oh, Alfred wow. Drake. His real name's Capurro, but that's the station. Uh, his real name is the same as my last name. Anyway, he's my, my grandfather's cousin. And uh, uh, so in our family, it's like this guy that was on Broadway, New York, you know, yeah. and introduced all these famous songs and shit. And he'd been on TV a bit. Right. And I, I've seen the clips on YouTube. And uh, my dad told me very recently that he was gay. Wow. And I'm like, you waited till na- now? To say I had this character. Yeah, who's really famous and a performer and who could have been re- I could really looked up to. And I called him in New York, Alfred Drake, and he's still alive and I was out there. He thought I was my dad because he's a bit old. Oh, right. And he spoke to me as always my father, which was really interesting. I had a really long conversation with him where he told me things about my mom mm. that I didn't know. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and I told my father this and he never told me. I'm like, Dad, how could you not... Uh, why, wh- how would that have helped you? Would that, what, did you need a role model? Yeah, kind of. Anyway, so the show's kind of about, like, who do we, what do we really know about one another? Or yeah. h- how much do we know about the people we love or are related to or even involved with? Because my husband's back in university. He's getting a degree. In oh, what's he studying? Law. Wow. It's so weird because my, my husband's idea of paperwork is recycling. And he's, <laughs> he's studying law. And I'm like, who are you? So I'm writing a show about what do we really mean? And, um, and I try to keep it as personal have you been doing your family tree for this as well? A little bit. I had to to get my Italian passport. Wow. So I found out all this stuff about my family, some of which I, I was, wasn't aware of. And some of it's easy to find because mm. the internet. And some of it's more difficult. But I found, I found something that was so shocking to me that I can't really talk about here. But it's about my parents. It's a very intimate thing about my mother and father. Wow. That I was really blown away by, which is why I thought maybe I should write. And it may mean nothing to somebody else, but to me it... And, um, but I, I find, as long as I keep... Because politics will get in there. And yeah. other, but as long as I keep stuff to myself, maybe you find this too. Yeah. I think it's all about... My personal thing is it's your personal perspective and point of view. Yeah. That's what makes it great. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're just doing jokes, anyone can just write a joke. Well, yeah. anyone, but you know what I mean? You can find them and someone else can write a gag. And yeah, a, yeah. Gag, a gag is a gag. Yeah, but yeah. a stand-up doing something that's personal, yeah. that to me is magical. I think it, it's a good chance comics have when they're in a room full of people. I think comics are worried about being arrogant or appearing as though, like, who do I think I am? But of course you are. It's an arrogant profession. We imagine we can hold the attention of somebody for 30 minutes or an hour, a room full of people. And since you have that, why not use it? So the only time people say to comics like us, like, who do you like? Uh, who, who do you not like? The only thing I find cynical that I don't like about comedians is when they waste their time in an audience's time. When you can tell that what they're doing is not real. Yeah. And I really love British audiences for that reason. Mm. What I prefer about an audience here is I think that audiences in the UK, particularly the farther north you go, mm. uh, they can really tell when you're faking it. Yeah. Do, do, do you feel I, that way? I right? totally agree with you. It's so interesting. Like when I, I was out five years ago is when I first came out here and really started performing here. And I guess in the early 2000s, I did some in London and bits and pieces, and I found it weird. I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was, but now I've been doing the North a lot more, and 
I think it's like they're just more real just yeah. day to day the yeah. way they talk to people yeah. they are very funny they used to go into pubs everyone they know everyone that else is funny and they all tell stories yeah and they can see through someone that's like oh yeah well this happened to me and they're like no fucking didn't yeah, yeah 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 and they the same when you're on stage yeah and i find london comics will come up north and start on something that you can just see them going no that didn't happen yeah it's just that's a made-up story yeah, yeah, you're yeah just telling a gag yeah and when you go this happened and it's real again it's personal perspective yeah. it's like that's your story and that's yeah. what that's what they want to see they want to see a personality i think so yeah i think audiences that i've experienced especially during the edinburgh fringe uh british audiences that go there i think they want to know a bit more about the comedian when the show's done than when mm. it started yeah and I think they they kind of want you to open a door, let the, let them into the room, yeah, let you know. Them into your world. Yeah. Yeah. I made a mistake last year at the Fringe. I don't know if you've ever done the one where they pay a bit and then you, you walk around with a bucket because I did that one last I'd year. I'd never do that. Well, that's personal though. I know. I mean, I know. Martin Moore was like, when I was going to go up, and yeah, he was yeah. like, oh, you got to get your bucket speech. And yeah, I was like, I'm yeah. sorry, what? <laughs> and he was like, there's a bucket speech you got to. Yeah, yeah. And look, I'm not making less of anyone that does that. Power to you. Yeah. But I just, I personally, just the way I came up. It yeah, was, yeah. It was always like. They pay something. Yeah. Like, well, they do it this one I did. Yes, they paid a fiver or uh, to get a seat. Yeah. Uh, and if the room wasn't sold out, we brought people down from the bar upstairs, mm-hmm. which he did a bunch of times. And so I had a bucket after. And I told him, five you got, got you in, but it doesn't get you out. I do mm-hmm. But I could not hold the bucket. I was just, I, the show was so personal to me that I just mm-hmm. couldn't hear the criticism if it was negative. I just, yeah. not right after it, maybe an hour later or read it in the paper two weeks later. Sure, yeah. I just couldn't. You know, and I'm always afraid of getting, you know, like my nose broken anyway. So <laughs> I had the guy running the room do it. And it was a real mistake, I think. Because I think, what's the point of letting them in and then not seeing it through at the end? I guess. Like yeah. if the show's so personal, then I've kind of gotten to know them a bit. Yeah. I, I kind of, I would have made more money, but that's not the reason I regret it. I think I regret it because I think I was short cheating them and myself. Especially because so you, you, you go and shake hands, press yeah, the yeah. and break that wall. Because I do it now, because I'm doing previews at a club in London, a top secret, marvelous club. Yeah. And I'm, I'm doing the bucket thing now myself. And how does that feel? It's, you know, some people don't give you money when they leave or whatever, or, or some people give you a lot. Yeah. Or they give you American dollars, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but I like it because it, it feels like it ties it all up to me. Right. And, you know, if they have anything negative to say, they don't really say it. It's, it's the UK. They're like, they keep it to themselves. Yeah, they're polite. Yeah, and if they hate it, they would have left halfway through anyway. Sure. So, yeah, I, I like it now. I don't mind it. I know what you mean, though, because in the U.S., you do a bucket, it means it's a different kind of show. Yeah. It I is. remember doing one, it was a Irish pub. What was it? It's like O'Malley's or something. Downtown Los Angeles. Griff Pippin ran it for a while. And it was also like a bucket show. And then it, and it was like guys outside barking on the street going, Ah, oh, come in into the show. Uh. And it's like, you know, bar stuff and like 10 people. And there's more comics than acts. Yeah, and yeah. doing five or 10 minutes trying out stuff. You know, all the guys always sit on the stool and are like, I'm so relaxed, but they're reading stuff off their <laughs> hand and shaking. You know, that, that sort of... Hilarious, a, yeah, yeah. House is like, oh, this is not for me. Um, so, what's up next? You, you're doing a, a personal show. Yeah. Um, you, Christmas is coming. Your husband's going to Brazil. Yeah, I'm going to America and do some shows in California. Yeah. And then I come back and then do some stuff in London. And then we're and over... Then it's 2020. 2020. Then, then we're... Uh, yeah. I'm going to Amsterdam and Berlin and then back to the States. And That's exciting. My podcast just started last Tuesday. Oh, what's your podcast? Tell us about it's it. It's called Scott Capurro Probes. All right. And I just interview uh, performers, writers, politicians. I, I had a chat show a few years ago, live one, and I found mm. that 
if you got to know people a bit through yeah. interview, their work made more sense. Yeah. Do you th- I think that's true about writers. But sometimes comedians, I think, forget that they're just funny people. Mm. I know I do. And I think also, if you know more about a comic, the jokes are funnier. Yeah. So I decided to just interview people and, and talk about clips of their work and what inspired them to write that. That's cool. So I love that's it. Oh, just chat. I've been, yeah, I never listened to podcasts before. And then I started listening to some of the really, usually famous ones, like 19 million downloads. I'm like, it's just chat. Yeah. They're just talking. It's weird, isn't it? It is weird. I thought there was I a find script. It's, like, it's almost like old cable radio or something like that. You know what I mean? Like or cable weird, TV, local yeah, cable yeah, TV yeah, where we're kids. Sort of yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. It is. You know? It's and it's just like this whole new revolution is happening. Yeah. It's like Wayne's World, but it, on crack. It is Wayne's you know? World. It's just it's just talking and... Yeah, so, yeah, that's all we're doing. Yeah. Okay, it's cool. on Apple, iTunes. Would you ever think about writing a book? I have written a book, yeah. Tell us about it. I had a book come out about 15 years ago. Uh, hotter headline saw me in Edinburgh and asked me to write a put my stuff on paper it was cl- it's called Foul Play okay. with a W you can right. still buy it on whatever and it was uh, about my family a bit of a uh, it's a story about a guy who goes on a date yeah he's a closeted comedian sorry nothing personal but he's a closeted <laughs> comedian and uh, no I know you're not I know, I know some of the women you bang but anyway he's a closeted comedian and he goes on a date and um, the guy uh disrespects him right and he drugs him and puts his head in an oven to make it look wow. like a suicide wow. but he roasts the head by mistake and the head slips off wow so he puts the head in a bag and goes to a bar to meet a friend and tell him his story so that's the story unfolds in that amazing I like it setup. And, uh, it's like a Sunday roast it is yeah and it did alright the book got reviewed and shit and then I wrote a second one and the publisher at the time said well you're, you're in the, I wrote a book about Remember the Runt? I mean, you remember the musical Rent? Yeah. Is it spoof on the? Ma- I don't. I, I hate that show. Mm. It's a spoof on the making of Rent. Uh-huh. It's called Runt, and it's about this guy who writes a musical, and then it's it's about people with AIDS and stuff. Yeah. And but he's straight, and so it's protested on Broadway. Oh, like okay. you can't do this. So he comes out as a gay man with AIDS and moves in with one of the trannies in the cast. It's amazing. And develops a relationship with that person, even though he's none of these things. Yeah. And it's a book. Like that, and and, and the, the publishers were like your protagonist is heterosexual. I'm like, but he's a straight guy pretending to be gay with AIDS. I mean, yeah, tell, they said, but you'll lose your reading audience. Huh? Why? Why? Because because they want they want a gay. Pre- I'm like, no, they. I don't, don't think that's I right. I don't think that's true at all. No, I don't. I think you should self-publish it and put it out. That's what people do now. Are you writing a book? I am. I am writing one, but I think it'll be ready next year. Wow, it's like a reincarnation revenge story. Oh, great! It's a novel. Yeah, fiction. Yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah. Fine, right? Yeah, it's good. I like it. You know, I'm in my downtime and sort of now about two thirds of the way through it, wrapping it up. And I've had a, a friend of mine who's a really good author, Nick Singh, help me with just oh, some oh, guidance, bits and pieces. Yeah. Because like I've written scripts, but I've never written prose essentially. You know, so yeah, it's it's exciting. It's cool. I like it. It's really fun, I think. Yeah. And also compared to what we do generally, you know, like this, where you got that 20, 30 minutes, you bang it out. Yeah, yeah. You kind of can space the story yeah, and yeah, yeah. explore the characters. I just enjoy it. Yeah, know? yeah. I like meeting weird people and then putting them on a page. Yeah, they, definitely. They might never know, you know. No, it's true. I mean, that's... I had a column for years in London, a couple of different magazines, and I really enjoyed it because, yeah, you, you write one idea, and out of it, you even find a couple of jokes for the stage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, mine's not... Yeah, I, actually, no, there is. There was, there was a good 
gas Jew joke that I liked. Well, there you <laughs> Something go, about farting on a head, I can't remember. Always a crap pleasure. Always a crap Gassing pleasure. the Jew. Hey, uh, what is your social media handle so they can come and find you online? Oh, on 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 uh, Twitter and all that stuff. All my name is Scott Capurro. Scott Capurro, yeah, yeah. brilliant. All right, well, we'll put that in. Thanks for asking me to do this. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you coming. It's fucking amazing. Super You're fun. hilarious. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Scott Capurro. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. Really appreciate you tuning in. It would be great if you could head over to wherever you download your audio and hit that subscribe button. If you're feeling extra nice, you can leave us a review. If you want to check out any videos of the acts, these are coming out weekly on our YouTube channel, which is Ruffle Comedy Club. And if you want to book tickets for any future shows, want to find out any more information, then head over to rufflecomedy.com.